You're listening to Working Code with your hosts, one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, it's show number 11 for February the 17th, 2021. And today on the show, we're going to be answering listener questions and discussing your feedback. And there is some feedback to discuss. (laughs) Uh, But before we get to that, I guess let's do our triumphs and fails. And just because it feels like it's been a while, I'm going to go first. I have uh, what I'm going to say is a a definite failure that I managed to turn into a triumph. So we have obviously a web application and we had an XSS cross the, we had an XSS or cross site scripting vulnerability in our application and it was exploited. Yeah, Mm -hmm. really. And it was exploited, which means somebody was able to inject some JavaScript into our site. And what ended up happening was that JavaScript was running within the admin interface, which is, you know, where our customers can see all the private information that their customers give them. So obviously not a good situation. Um, But uh, when all was said and done, my uh, triumph here is that I was commended for uh, the way that I handled the situation, the communication that I had with the customer and and dealing with the having the right amount of transparency and treating it with urgency and getting it fixed and cleaning up the data and walking the line well between being transparent and and not giving away too much right right you don't want to be like oh yeah we totally screwed the pooch on this one but you also (laughs) have to you have to like take responsibility and ownership of the problem and so security we don't never heard of it yeah So yeah, scripting, I, that's not yeah. a thing. Let so, me ask you, Adam, do you, do you have a, do you guys have an official data breach response protocol? Like a written? Probably. Probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which leads me to the next question. Does everyone know it? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. I'll have to follow up with that. And um, I mean, I, I know that what I did would be what I would be more than happy. I'm the, I'm the person that would be more than happy to spend three weeks every year documenting stuff like this because I'm the, I'm the over-communicator, right? Mm. I'm the one no, that's... No, we hadn't noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that's like... I, you know how Slack gives you stats? I don't know if... You might not know. If, you, if you're the Slack like team owner, they send you stats pretty regularly. And I'm always like, you know, the number one communicator. I'm the, I use the most emojis and, uh, you know, like talk 40% more than anybody else. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's like kind of, uh, more often I think than other people suggesting that we document processes and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And the only reason I ask is, is, I mean, I know you guys aren't in the the PCI, you know, the, the, um, the processing credit card, kind mm-hmm. of thing Payment but that is re- yeah yeah that is that is a requirement that you have to have a formal written document that says if there's a breach you know who responds to the breach um how long do you wait until you you know tell your right. customers about the breach um and sort of the communication method yeah. that you're going to use to to explain the breach so i'm but probably right. going to get this wrong but we we do have some pci certifications i mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I believe it is a SAC, which is S-A-Q-D or B. I feel like that's familiar. Um, either way, the, the way that we have things set up is to minimize our PCI responsibility. Like mm-hmm. we don't have 
any yeah. credit card numbers ever hit our servers, anything right. like that. We, we, you know, we keep it all off. Use services that, that take on that responsibility like for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just important that everyone have, you know, yeah. have that because it's, it's one of those things that, you know, kudos for, you know, getting the compliments on how you communicated you. it. Yeah. But you were kind of, sounds like you're kind of winging it. So what if you did do it wrong and they're like, right. whoa, whoa, you shouldn't have said that. Now you possibly opened us to the liability that we right. want to don't, you know, do right. So having a... So having a written document is extremely important. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely take that back to the team and, and see, you know, what we want to do. In, in this case, um, I, I felt confident running it on my own because, um, so the first thing I did was reply to the ticket as fast as I could. It says, thank you for bringing this to us. You know, we're looking into it. We'll get back to you. And then, um, I started researching it and found that yes, they were able to inject JavaScript into our app, but fortunately, they weren't able to get anything useful out. It right. was obfuscated JavaScript. So when I de-obfuscated it, um, it was basically trying to grab cookies and share them off-site so that somebody could do session hijacking. Right. And we use HTTP-only cookies. So, so it wouldn't it was, have worked anyway. Yeah, they got they got like our Google Analytics ID <laughs> and who knows what else. It, or I know a few things, but nothing useful. Yeah. Um, and so after I had done all that, I sort of documented everything that they were trying to do. And I sent that back to the customer and I was like, you know, here's what they, here is what they were trying to do. Absolutely nothing useful got out. Uh, and here's why I know that. With certainty. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, regardless of that fact, I have already cleaned up the data that had the XSS in it. And within the hour, I will be deploying changes that prevent any future XSS vulnerabilities in this area. And we're going to uh, commit to a comprehensive review of the rest of the application for mm-hmm. other potential vulnerabilities. So an, so an after action report. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So with your plan, Tim, does it lay out like what to communicate? Does it have like, this is kind of what the words are that we're going to say? Like this does, is the, it, the kind of high level detail of what we're going to say. It, it's very high level. I mean, it does, it doesn't say here's the words we're going to use, but it does lay out um so there's some information you, you have to acknowledge that a breach happened right you have to uh you know say how long it lasted you have to mm-hmm. say what as of now that you know has been exposed and you have to say what um remediation you're going to do to stop it from happening now and prevent it from happening in the future which sounds very familiar that's like the script for every breach that you've ever yeah. read a news report yeah. about yeah exactly uh, but the thing is, it's one of those things, it, it does give you a lot of latitude because sometimes there, there is, people will exploit you, but like you said, Adam, there really was no damage, mm-hmm. right. Right. right? And so you, you got to balance the, people are always trying to attack somewhere. So you got to balance how much do you tell the customer right now and they start worrying about stuff that really is not a worry right. versus, you know, all of a sudden all their customers' credit cards are being charged, mm-hmm. you know, fraudulently Ooh. and you never said anything. And now now you look bad. And, That's right. a different story, yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely a balancing act. But, yeah, just knowing when it, – it, mainly it's a timeline. Sometimes there are no metrics on how soon you tell people. Because you do need to give yourself amount of time to respond. Otherwise, you're giving incomplete information. Uh, and if you send out something and say, oh, remember we said like five hours ago that this happened? We found out actually that it really didn't happen. This happened and now there's zero confidence. Right. Yeah, you don't want that frantic 
immediate mm-hmm. like response to something. You need to think through it. You need to make mm-hmm. sure you know exactly what was going on. I think before you say anything. Yeah. Just personally. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, how, I don't know if this is a sign of the times or, or how married we are to a lot of our digital workflows, but you know, my credit card's been stolen probably five times over the last decade from mm-hmm. various, you know, Home Depot and Target and places like that. And uh, password breaches and various things. And what would that, um, there was that one big uh, credit score, like Equifax. Yeah, yeah. Equifax. Yeah. And like literally having my information stolen has never actually motivated me to stop using a particular service. Mm-hmm. And, and it just because like the pain of having to think deeply about trying to find a different service feels more painful than whatever was stolen. Mm. I mean, thankfully, it's not like I've never been in a situation where someone's run up like, you know, credit card debt for me. So, you know, knock on wood. But uh, it's amazing how many times you hear about a giant breach and your first thought to yourself is, well, that's the end of that company. Mm. And then two years later, that company is doing just as successfully as it ever was before. Just kind of well, I, I do know of one company that did finish. Uh, Choice Point was uh, a company that did background checks and credit checks and things like that. And they had a very serious data breach and it pretty much sunk them. They got mm-hmm. bought out by some other company after that because, just because of that breach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it feels though, and maybe this is just what makes it into the mainstream media, but it, it, it feels like that's the outlier at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people have gotten, that was pretty early on. So I think people have gotten a little bit more used to it. You start hearing about target and Walmart and you're like, well, I'm not going to stop shopping at Walmart. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what can you do? Yeah. Carry around cash. Okay. Well, now that we spent, uh, like, you know, 13 minutes on my, (laughs) on my triumph, uh, Carol, what do you got? Yeah. So for my triumph or failure, I'm going to go with the company triumph. Um, we are kind of balls to the walls right now. Like we are just over, we're not over committed because the customer knows we can't do the work. Um, but we just have a backlog that's never ending right now. And it's not support. It's all new work that needs to, that needs to go out. And my company really does a good job of not putting that stress on us. So, you know, they're, they're not like, Hey, you really need to rush through this project. You got on your plate because we've got three more slammed behind you. Instead, last week, we didn't even have story planning. They just pulled a couple people aside for a tear sheet review that we're going to be moving to a new project. And everyone else was like, there's really no point to do a big giant review process because we don't want you to think all this has to get done right now. So it's just, it's good. Like that the company culture is not stressing you out to like yeah. keep moving to the next thing, finish this so you can go to the next thing. It's get this done right, but here's what's coming down the pipeline. So, you know, That's so good. I just think awesome. it's a, it's a good triumph as a team. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. You bet the people above you, they were freaking out. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I mean, you know, they are, but the fact that they're not pushing that down on the lowly people like me who just write the code, you know, it's it's good to not have that stress, to know that you have the time to do it right. You have the time and the resources available. And that's why they get paid the big bucks. Yeah. They can put it on their shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A good manager is worth their weight in gold for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 
There was yeah. a, a movie, I can't remember what it's called, but it, uh, Hank Azaria. It, the movie's about this guy who works at a newspaper. I don't know if it was a Spider Man. I think maybe it was Politico or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know that one. Yeah, sorry. And uh, this kid, he makes up, like, he entirely fabricates all of his stories that he writes for the for the newspaper. And I think it goes on for years or something. Anyway, that's oh, not wow. the point of what I'm saying. Hank Azaria <laughs> plays that guy's manager in the movie. Mm-hmm. And Hank Azaria is, is often in some distant office getting yelled at by his boss and then doesn't allow his writers to feel that stress. And I remember seeing this movie. I mean, the movie's probably like 15 years old or maybe more. And I just, I was young. And at the time I was like, that's, is that what managers do? They protect the people below them. I'm like, this is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, was very eye-opening. Hank Azaria, if, if people aren't recognizing the name, he's Mo from The Simpsons, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's in lots of, of voices. The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. You've seen him in a lot of things, yeah. He's great. I love him. I'll have to go look him up. Yeah, a good manager goes far. Very far. Cool. So, Tim, what about you? Well, last week I had a failure. I talked about my struggles with, with red. I don't know if it's Redis, but my Redis situation with my load balancers. So I, I don't this I don't really know if this qualifies as a triumph, but I've just been kind to myself and I've just taken a break from it because it got to the point I was walking around the house angry. Oh no. <laughs> and my wife and kids thought that they had done something wrong mm-hmm. and they were worried. Um because it's like I was constantly thinking about it. I'm just it's going through my head, and I'm like, "All right, I'm taking this week off. I'm going to. I took I took Monday off. Well, you know, wow. Sunday was the Super Bowl. I took Monday off just to recover from the Super Bowl. Are we allowed to say that? Do we have the license mm-hmm. to say the word superb? Oh, the, the, the big game. Sorry, <laughs> beep beep that out. It's the big game. Yeah. I like to call it the superb owl. The superb owl. I took Monday off and then just, I, I just said, I'm not going to look at this this week because I, I can't, I, I can't even, so. Yeah. And it's not like you're thinking when you're like thinking through all this, it's not like they're necessarily positive things. Like when I do that, it's just reinforcing that I haven't got it right yet or that I still haven't figured it out. So then I'm so frustrated. And then when I go work on it, I start out super frustrated too. So it doesn't, so taking a week off probably a good idea yeah well, once you've deleted and rewritten and redeleted code multiple times at some point you're like you know what yeah no yeah. no we're, we're stepping away i'm gonna work on something else good so, idea fresh i think that's eyes. a good call yeah yep fresh eyes i'm gonna be more like ben solution <laughs> you say be, be more like ben be, i want to be more like ben what did we I all want to be like ben just more install awesome. seven more enter keys on your keyboard you'll be all right <laughs> tim only wants to be like ben because he needs a hater what about you ben so I uh, am, have been addicted to analytics lately. At work, we pipe analytics through, I think, a system called Segment.io. And then Segment.io, I think, then pipes those same metrics into a bunch of other things. I think Segment's sort of like a if this, then that, but for analytics distribution. Oh, cool. And uh, eventually, one of the places it goes is, is to a system called Amplitude. And Amplitude just charts everything. And uh, I recently added some tracking to a particular interface within the application because I was doing some performance refactoring without tests. Um, And I was kind of blown away at how many people actually use this part of the app. And And it's not like it's a massive amount of people but nobody ever talks about this part of the application at the company. So mm-hmm. I just 
kind of assumed no one ever used it. Yeah. And now that I threw some metrics onto it and, and it's like, you can see who, op- uh, how many people opened it, who clicked on this button, who did the pagination, who selected these options. And, um, it's just, you see the page come to life in a way that it, uh, it, it does two things. One, it really colors the way the page gets interacted with, but it also, it it turns individuals into meaningful uh, emotional data points. And I know that seems like almost like a contradictory (laughs) in terms, (laughs) but you know, you know what it is? It's like if a, if a product leader comes to you and says, don't worry about this part of the application, not many people use it. And that's the end of the conversation. You have this black box understanding that, this is just not an important part of the app. So mm-hmm. I'm just not going to focus on it. But then you throw metrics on top of it. And now you start to see, oh, you know, dozens of people clicked on this button and hundreds of people clicked on this link. You're like, oh, these are real people. There's real people sitting at a desk somewhere using the software that I'm building. And it, no amount of someone pointing to it and saying, this is not an important part of the app. Don't pay attention to it. Like no amount of hand waving at that point can remove the fact that I can now see these people, so to speak. <laughs> what was, what that? was that? I'm on call this week, and that was my <laughs> my noise for something. Was oh, it's like happening. rude. Oh, Who's Wawa sliding bins conversation? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just going to cut it out, but no, now that you laughed at it, we have to keep it. Oh, somebody. Somebody created a ticket with a priority of 11. So that's why I got an alert. <laughs> Spinal tap. Yeah, these tickets, yeah. Uh, our tickets go to 11. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what it does. Uh, so anyway, my, my triumph is that I put some metrics into an interface and suddenly it's this rich emotional experience for me. And uh, That's cool. I, yeah, I, awesome. I never bothered myself with metrics before because I had a product manager and that was his sort of area of expertise was understanding how people use the application, but he uh, is no longer with my team. So I'm sort of picking up the reins and uh, it's just time to figure it out. Yeah. It's kind of super exciting. And I sort of feel like I've uh, been missing out on the analytics for the last couple of years. Nice. Analytics is now like your, uh, you're like your support puppy, right? Like the yeah. thing you hug that makes you happy, your support animal. It, it, it's yeah. like tracking a, a, a FedEx package where you're going in every 45 minutes and you're clicking the refresh and you're like, what do you mean it hasn't left Columbus, Ohio yet? And, uh, but now it's, I'm, I'm just seeing a little bar chart go up just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> little makes little you bit. happy. Yeah. You, you talk about, it's not analytics, but, um, so when our company, got bought back in 2013 one of the first things the company that bought us made us as a company do was go do customer on sites mm. as a company i mean just uh, lots of people went not just a lot like, of times you know sales people go marketing people go visit customers but it's like developers were going on site to visit customers and it's really different when you see a company using an application that you work in every day and they're using it to run their company. (laughs) I'm I'm really sorry about that. So my phone is actually on do not disturb, but that's the whole point of the thing is it can get my attention no matter what. (laughs) And you see people, you see people using your app and you, and that (laughs) sound goes through your head because like there's this one lady, there was like some print issue that we had and this, poor woman her whole job was just moving stacks of paper from one place to another 
And I was like, oh my God, we got, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a little bug. It was kind of low in the backlog. It really wasn't important that I saw this poor woman, what her days were like. I'm like, oh, we need to fix that. Like that, sh- that should be an easy fix, like an easy win. And it would yeah. make someone's job so much easier. Totally. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, been a- addicted to uh, analytics is the worst Robert Plant song. but okay so now that i can actually use my brain again and i'm not distracted by alarms um i did have a comment that that made me think of uh the so remember we talked about that uh sort of quasi coverage system i had been working on for our testing to to do the platform migration one of the nice sort of downstream side effects of that is that now we have this tool built into our application that tells us what's being used and how much. So we're just going to leave it in place and it's recording nice. which parts of the application are being used and which parts aren't. So when when we need to decide like what features to work on, what bugs need to be worked on, we have that data to go, well, you know, who cares? Something to help guide Two you. people yeah. have been in that feature in the last mm-hmm. six months. It doesn't matter. Yeah, put right? that one down. As much as the one that gets used by 150 people every day. Yeah, or like a 98% of your users, yeah. Yeah. Dude, we have a website. <laughs> well, is, is that your uh, your poor excuse for a transition? Um, I don't know. I'm just reading. It says announcement website. Well, I mean, do you not? Actually, I think it's a fantastic transition. Do you not pay attention to our Discord where I've been sharing the previews of the website with you guys? So I saw you were like showing something, but I didn't really pay attention to. I had a lot mm. going on this week. You're fired. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Don't Discord shame her. <laughs> did, you just, did you just pull a cat out of nowhere? <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled a cat out of my lap. <laughs> In my lap is where it she's, goes. She's a magician. She jumps up at the like most inappropriate times and then climbs all over me. So I'm like, go away. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. So yes, we have a website. Uh, and I'm committing what? to that now. Uh, I, I'm fortunate enough that we record two weeks ahead of uh, release. So I have the next two weeks to put the final touches on it. But it's close enough now that if I don't get it done in the next two weeks, I should be ashamed of myself. I don't know. You have three other coders on here. so That's true. And, and, We and, should be and, helping. And, uh, well, you know. I... Did you write tests, though? <laughs> Ben's, Ben's in charge of our test suite. <laughs> um, he'll just manual test it. Don't worry. <laughs> I wanted to no. I, so I, I gave you guys some very early looks at the work that I was doing. And then as we are getting closer to being ready to deploy it and launch it, um, I've been sharing it in with our patrons in Discord and gotten some feedback from them and some help. Wait, we got patrons? <laughs> We'll get to that later, too. And they know about our website before us? Well, before you, apparently. (laughs) Snap. Um, And uh, they have contributed to it. So uh, one of our patrons, Seb, he... you know, he was pointing out a bug in uh, Safari and I guess on iPhone um, and like trying to help me figure out what the problem was. And I was like, you know, if I want, if you want, I can just give you access to the repo and you can make a pull Sweet. request. And he's like, yeah, sure. So he did. That's awesome. Cool. I, I can't see Seb Dugan's name without thinking of Street Fighter. I don't know if anyone else has that association. Seb Dugan. Yeah. Seb Dugan. <laughs> Seb Dugan. <laughs> See, I, I didn't make that connection because I always think of it as Duggan. Seb Duggan. Oh, maybe that's how it's pronounced. I have no idea. 
but in my mind, it's Street Fighter. Subdugan. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's a great episode so far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, so we have a website and it's coming soon and uh, it would uh, it, you can listen to the episodes on there uh, and it looks marginally better. It was designed half by me, half by whoever I got the free template from. Uh, what's the tech stack? What's the tech stack? It's on Eleventy, which is a static site generator um, oh, and it's using SAS for CSS. That. Yeah, Eleventy, I really like it. So I, I, I've done some stuff with Gatsby in the past and Gatsby has a whole lot of really nice features, especially if you're trying to do something complex. But my, I've had some complaints of things that have been difficult with Gatsby and um, the build time is problematic, I would say. I, I've, I know they're working on it and they have a service that can make it faster, but... Uh, a paid service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but 11D, I'm, I've been very happy with it. Uh, builds very fast and it's easy to use and it's, it's very similar to Gatsby in some respects um, that you don't get the GraphQL of all your data, but mm. there's other ways to, yeah, I don't know, it gives you some other ways to access your data. So like, for example, the um, all of our episodes, there's just markdown files in a folder and it, it creates a collection of that data that I can loop over to make the episodes pages and it can paginate that or I'm pu- cool. just pulling the the most recent episode from that collection to show on the homepage of the site sort of thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm liking that. Um, and just, I guess the page that has the most information on it is the support us page because there's a bunch of different ways you can support us in addition to being a patron. Um, and Emotional I also support what's that? Emotional support. Emotional support. We're going to need it here soon. And Mm -hmm. I also, well, one of the things that I've been inspired to put on there, I wanted to be very transparent about what we're spending money on that we, you know, maybe can justify needing some support for, you know, like we paid for the the intro and outro and we want to get an editor and we want transcripts and blah, 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 all this stuff in the future that we just can't afford to do on our own right now. So anyway, uh, we have a website. So go check it out, workingcode.dev. And um, outro of that segment. Now we just need listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I told you, we have four moms between us. Or, or Five. Moms. Five. I have two moms. Don't forget that. So, My mom doesn't listen. She thinks computers are demonized. <laughs> Don't tell her she's right. <laughs> Possessed by the devil. Uh, different Pretty kind of demon. Much. Uh, okay. So let's move on to our main topic for the day then. Uh, which would be listener questions and feedback. And I think that the the one we should start with, if for no other reason than time, is um, Adam Cameron's blog post. So I mentioned previously we record two weeks ahead of release. Uh, so by the time you hear this, the, the episode nine is two weeks old and uh, Adam's blog post went up, I think, the day after. Today's Thursday uh, as yeah. we're recording this. So yes, the day after episode nine was released. And the post in question will be linked in our show notes in case you would like to go read it it is a little bit of a tome it's he's uh, a long writer kind of like our very own ben nadell <laughs> and uh he has a lot to say and so yeah, we should respond to that so uh, it's tough because i don't just have like a short little uh question from him or a comment that i can read and then we can respond to here on the podcast i don't want to like require everybody to go read the blog post and come back to the podcast episode so uh, I'll just, I guess, say, and you guys can fill in and, and correct me if I get anything of this wrong. 
he took issue with some of the stuff that we said. He felt like maybe some of it was a little irresponsible. About testing, right? About testing. Yeah, about testing. Um, and uh, so, you know, he wrote, he basically went kind of shot for shot through the episode and pull, pulled out the things where we said things that he took issue with. And, and he's and a great tester. He is. Yeah. He has a lot of I, I, experience. I would, I would point out he is proving Cunningham's law. Does everyone you have know what Cunningham's law? Oh, never I do. I do. I have that? my own law. Actually, no, it, there really is a real law. I don't law know called what it Cun- is. So, so Cunningham's law is that the fastest way to get an answer <laughs> on the internet is not to post a question, but to post an answer and everyone will tell you you're wrong and give you the correct answer. <laughs> right. So we, we did, and I'll be honest, I, I, I kind of thought our, our episode on testing was kind of lame. I, I do. I don't, I, 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 I don't know. I just I left it feeling like I don't know if we really covered anything useful there. It's a big topic. It is. Yeah, big. It's a big topic. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that it got this huge response, this giant blog post from Adam says, okay, well, maybe sometimes being lame is okay because you get <laughs> you get a good response sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. The only the only problem there is that not everybody who listens to the episode will end up finding that blog post to to get the follow up information. Well, they will after hearing this. So, yeah, hopefully. I just want to say that, uh, you know, I've known Adam for a really long time, both personally and professionally. And, uh, and his tone maybe is sometimes hard to decipher in text, but I, I can assure everybody that everything he says comes from a place mm. of love and, and wanting people to be better and, and, and do better. So, absolutely. Uh, I think the tone, if, if you don't know him, it sounds very heated and, abrasive at points but uh he doesn't mean it if you know him that's just his communication style he's a kiwi (laughs) they don't make any sense none of them do so i just maybe get some some haters from 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 new zealand no don't do that so so i think mostly he took issue with me and uh with, with me personally no uh no he took he took issue with the fact that i don't test uh, which, that you said you don't w- test. Right. He, he took issue with the fact that I don't have automated testing and that I, at the same time, acknowledge that it's a shortcoming and don't proactively work at being better at testing. And uh, there's nothing that I could point to in his post that feels wrong in any way whatsoever. I, I right. think where I disagree is simply the, 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 the magnitude, I think, of the takeaway. Uh, mm-hmm. we, which is that I'm I'm definitely not anti-testing, and in a perfect world, I would be better at testing, and it would be something that I put focus into. But there's a lot of things that I wish I was better at, and I I just happen to spend more time trying to get better at things that are not testing, and like HTML for, emails. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I've spent you know probably. I don't know, 20, 30 hours of just personal time trying to understand how to write HTML emails better. And that, you know, could seem ludicrous to someone. But for me, that feels like a worthwhile endeavor at this point. And uh, yeah, everything is a, everything is a return on investment calculation. And I'm, it, it's hard because there's almost nothing that I think I could say where someone couldn't turn around and say, Right, but it would be a worthwhile return on investment. But it it's just it testing for me is not the thing that I feel like holds me back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it's it. Yes, I, I wish I was better at it. I wish I was better at Docker and I wish I was better at yeah. networking. There's but, several yeah. things. Yeah. Like I know enough Docker to do my work and I know enough security to prevent SQL injection attacks. And I feel personally attacked. Attacks. <laughs> <laughs> but is it but is it the thing that holds your app back? I mean, that's really that's the question. Yeah, it's it's. It's tough because, you know, in, in response to the post, our Adam said that, that yes, our Adam said that one thing that I, I maybe got missed in some of the conversation was that I make small changes. My, my whole mantra in life is small changes deployed often. Right. So it's not like I spend a lot of time refactoring massive parts of an application where I really want that assurity that I change this code over here and I'm not breaking something way mm-hmm. over here disconnected. 90% of what I do is I want to change this query that only gets called in one place, or I want to break this one request into maybe a primary request and then a follow-up Ajax request. So it's less blocking time. The things that I do are very small and very focused. I use a lot of feature flags and, and even as I'm saying this, I can hear Adam having his own <laughs> internal conversation where he's like, you're just excusing it. But I don't feel like I'm excusing it because I feel like I'm very focused on a particular set of things. And those particular set of things I have, let's call them strategies for success, survival mechanisms that I have in place that I feel like allow me to remain fairly efficient and very bug free without having automated testing. So I want to go back to what you said. You were like, you know, if you know, like you could hear Adam, you know, objecting to what you're saying. And in his first like paragraph, he lays out kind of like what our, like what his thought is on the show in general. And it's, you know, the water cooler talk, it's mm-hmm. us just having general conversation. And when I read this entire post, I could see all of us with five or six more people like at a table and this conversation just going back and forth and it being Adam just talking to Ben and Ben talking to Adam and just, you know, it was in my head, it played out as just that type of conversation. It didn't come across as attacking at all. And I know that some people like may read it to be more harsh, but that was the first thing I thought of when I read this was it was just straight up the water cooler conversation between all of us that we have all the time when we were at conferences. Mm-hmm. Like this was a normal Ob- conversation. Objective, objective received, right? We, yeah. we did it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the cold podcast. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. None of us are experts. No. None of us claim to be experts in the field, right? We're, we're just people doing our jobs and we're, we're not, you know, some of us have written books, but none of us <laughs> claim to be, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so none of us claim to claim to be experts in this. We're all we're all working through it, and so that's what this conversation is, right? It's a conversation between coworkers, both us four and everyone who listens right. is involved as well. Yeah. And I can't disagree. The stuff he directed at me, I can't disagree with any of it. I, I admitted freely in that, that that podcast that I am a hypocrite when it comes to to testing. I know its value. I wish I did it more. Um. I, 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 the line I love is uh, where he said, where he quotes, where I say that I require unit tests because uh, it gives me confidence, a high level of confidence that what they've done, they delivered what they said they're going to do. And he says, like you say, confidence is fantastic, 
Be fantastic, Tim. Be fantastic, Tim. <laughs> I can't fantastic. disagree with that. It, Do any it. Leader sh- any leader should eat their own dog food. And I, I yeah. totally agree with that. And I later admitted that I try my best to do that every time I start a project. But <clears throat> the first casualty of war in the battle for recognizing revenue has been traditionally been in stuff that I've worked on testing. Yeah. Yep. It gets, it gets it's cut just, first. Yep. It's the, it's the, they're like, well, what do we need to do? Well, you know, we, 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 we cut those and, and then once you start cutting them, they become less useful because you don't have very good code coverage. And now it's like, well, what's the point of even maintaining it? So Adam, I hear you. I have to push back because if I don't, then I'm going to get called out for not pushing back. (laughs) Uh, I mean, so I I don't think that uh, having fewer tests is going to make them less useful, but it certainly is going to diminish the, um, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Well, The long-term dividends, right? Well, let me put the situation to you. It's like, all right, so we're spending X percent of our time writing tests, Mm -hmm. right? So let's say it's 10, 15. And you, and you say, well, why are you doing that? Manager, someone above you says, why are you doing that? Well, you do that so you have less bugs and you can make changes and, and know that you haven't broken something. But then the push comes and now you've, you've, you've cut back on your testing and now there's a bug. And now the person's like, well, why is there a bug? You said you're doing these tests for that reason. Yeah. Right. And you're like, well, you made me stop doing the test. <laughs> right? So it's, it becomes a circular argument. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I, and I agree with, with what Ben says. I mean, the, the ultimate goal is what? It, if tests didn't stop bugs, we wouldn't do them. Sorry. If they didn't prove there weren't bugs, we wouldn't do them. The reason we do them is because we have an expectation that it will lower the amount of, of, uh, of bugs in the system. And so, but if you have a way that does, I mean, Ben's perfectly fine with, you know, small changes, atomic changes, feature flags so that you turn something on, it breaks, you turn it off. Right. Right. So that seems to serve his needs. I can't argue that 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 TDD is yeah. is totally better than that. In the chat, Carol said something about context being king or context is critical. I don't even know what you're referring to. I apologize, but but the the thing about that is that there is nothing nothing happens in a vacuum. So where I work, we're not building airplane operating systems, and we're not building pacemakers, and we're not dealing with financial data. So there is a certain amount of worst case scenario, you know, people aren't dying, which is, I don't, not to be flippant about it, but, (laughs) but there's a certain amount of, and again, I can just hear Adam being like, stop stop explaining away. (laughs) But, but the reality is, is, is the, the worst case scenario for a lot of the bugs that I could create are not really that bad in the grand scheme of things. Now, again, you could argue luxury. Sorry, go ahead. It's just what a luxury to yeah, not be dealing it, with financial data, not be dealing with people's lives. It's it is fantastic. Yeah, I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but one thing that I did say in the in the comments to Adam's post is that, and and this is not an excuse, but because I don't have tests that prove that something works or lowers the chances that something isn't working. It forces me to really look at the code and understand how the, the invocation happens across related components. And I have to follow requests and look to see, well, this calls this query and, or, you know, this request triggers this event and these other things are listening for that event. And there's, 
there's something I think very valuable in a way that I can't necessarily articulate about being forced to create this robust mental model in my head about how the software fits together that I might not have had if I could just hit a button and run 200 tests that all said the system's working okay after the code that I changed. And I'm not saying that 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 prevents me from doing something that I shouldn't do, but I think it helps me think about the software in a way that thinking about units of work maybe wouldn't do. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it feels like there's this value add of having to understand at a more holistic level how everything's fitting together. Hmm. Yeah, I've seen cases where all the tests passed and there are still issues, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to the the quote that Ben gave on that episode and that Adam repeated. He found the, the original source for in his post yeah, that, good. that, that uh, you know, every bug in production passed the tests, right? Mm-hmm. And And to, I think repeat a point that Ben made in his response comment that that was not meant to uh, give people an excuse to not test. It was to point out that there weren't enough tests in that situation. Right. That's like the only response to violence is more violence. I mean, (laughs) at what point, at what point do you pull back? I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate on that one, but. Well, I was saying that, that, um, Manual testing, it's not an its not an either or, which I, I feel like I was being a little bit mischaracterized in, in that I was saying that manual testing replaces automated testing. More my point was, even with automated testing, I would feel like I had to also do the manual testing because I'd have to assume that the tests are not 100% accurate. Or mm. just because there's a test suite, I don't know if people are maintaining it. Right. Especially if it's an area of the code that doesn't get touched a lot. I, I sort of have to assume that the tests are not doing a great job. Yeah, I think I followed up to that and was like, I do that. I write the test and I still manually test because I don't trust that the test caught everything that I'm thinking of. Yeah. I think so, Tim, you had said, like, where does it end? And I think that the textbook reply to that is you when there's a bug that slips through, the testing cracks, you write the test to prevent that bug happening again to that you would catch it next time. And, and then you move on and you're, you're never going to get a hundred percent of all bugs caught no. before they get to production. But you can, if you are super diligent, only ever have each bug one time. Mm-hmm. And even that yeah. I think is asking a bit much, but yeah. yeah I, and I don't think any of us were saying t- that TDD is bad. I, no. I don't think any of us were saying that. it's just, we're just acknowledging the real world. Yeah. thing of it is that it's hard some people don't do it um it's what it and, is yeah and sometimes due to economic concerns they go by the wayside yeah. it's it's unfortunate but, but it's true it is a best practice that people should do yeah I, th- so this makes me think of something that i'm always fascinated by which is when you hear somebody say something publicly or you read something in a book and you think that you understand what that person was saying mm. and then years later maybe you find out that your conception of what they were saying is actually not, not totally it. off, but not accurate. Mm-hmm. And and I've had this realization twice in my life very vividly. One was I, I went through years thinking that the term singleton 
was this terrible anti-pattern in software because mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, singletons are horrible, blah, blah, blah. And I was watching a presentation given by Corey Haynes, who's big in the Ruby world. Mm-hmm. And he was on stage and uh, somebody called him out about, oh, like, well, singletons are bad. He was like, well, it's not a singleton. It's just a single instance of something. Mm-hmm. The other guy was like, well, that's a singleton. And Corey Haynes was like, no, that's not a singleton. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a single instance of something, which is a very different type of pattern. Right. And I was like, whoa, for the last 15 <laughs> years, yeah. every time I've heard singleton, I've been thinking, oh, having a single instance of something, which is a very common pattern in the cold fusion world. You instantiate a cold fusion component, you cache it in the application scope or the, or the server scope, and now you have a single instance of it running for the lifecycle of that application. And literally for like a decade, I've thought to myself, I'm a terrible programmer because I have singletons all over the place and everybody says that singletons are an anti-pattern. And it was this just this misconception that I had no idea what people meant when they said singleton. So that was one very vivid thing. And if I can just quickly one other thing. TDD, <laughs> for, for years when I was lear- learning, not learning about, but like listening to people talk about TDD, it was always like test driven development test for anyone that doesn't yes, know. Test driven yeah. development. Yeah. You write your test first and then you, you your tests fail and then you write just enough code to make your test pass and, and rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. And so... In my mind, again, for years after starting to hear people say this, you think like, oh, line one of code is people writing tests. And then eventually you listen to an interview with someone who's super heavy into testing and they get into more details about what that means. And someone will say, well, how do you start writing tests when you don't even know what your software is going to do yet? Like you don't even know what it wants to do yet. And they're like, oh, well, I wouldn't write tests then. Like I have to understand what the software is going to do. So probably what I actually do is write a lot of sort of R&D code, trying to find out what it is that I want my software to even do. And then once I start to understand where I want to go, then I start to write tests. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, that's a really, really big difference mm-hmm. yep. than hearing someone say, well, the very first thing I do is start to write failing tests and then I have to fix the tests. Like, so you, you, you get this massive gap in a way that, that has maybe a an oversized impact on the way you think about programming. And, and in the reality is it's, it's, it's a, it's a false understanding and it's just, it's crazy how that happens sometimes. I feel like it's often that we hear about what we do with the sugar coating on it. You know, it's the cake with the ice cream on top. But then when you find out how each of us work daily and what we're doing, we may be lucky if we have the ice cream cone at the end of the day, you know, like (laughs) there is no sugar in between. You're not getting the ice cream. You're just having to plow through it and make the best out of what you've been given. And, you know, you may not have an application that your company supports putting time into. Like Tim said, you may not be able to write tests because you don't have that choice. You are told to go make money and produce code that makes money. So I I think that our conception of what we do isn't always exactly what we actually do. And fixing bugs is professional services, so yeah. they're 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really follow that metaphor, but I'm hungry. Yeah, ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Well, being a, like a software developer is very glamorous, right? I mean, it's all shiny. That's why I put on my makeup every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why I shower once a week. <laughs> Whether you need it or not. Right, yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, do we have anything else to say to Adam or anybody else about this testing topic? Adam, thank you, you Adam. for the love. Yes, yeah, seriously. Yeah. So yeah. in the in the top of my comment, my first comment reply, I said, you know, in all seriousness, with no no uh, sarcasm intended, your heart matters, and we appreciate yeah. the your comment. Heart matters. <laughs> like I don't think I could 
um, like express like how it feels just to have someone respond to it in any way. Like, but I, I really love this post. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly right in, you know, war and peace. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He he obviously cares a lot. He spent a lot of time writing that. Yeah. He does. Cool. All right. Well, I think, uh, we're, we're a little long here, uh, but we have time. We can do one more. So this question comes to us from LD2 on Twitter. I'm sorry. I don't know your name. You, you make it very hard to know who you are, but <laughs> success. I mean, but score on a three letter Twitter yeah, handle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, but this question is, do we have any thoughts on keeping DevOps and development separate or should they be intermingled? Ooh, interesting. This is, this is really, uh, this hits close to home for me personally. Yeah. I figured Ben would have some some feelings on this. This is uh, something that I struggle with a lot, and I've struggled with it for years now because we moved from a development workflow that used to be everyone just had to install their own stuff. You know, you you join the company, you got a a Google Doc on install this, 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 and if it doesn't work, go ask in this chat channel. And, And we moved from that to a here's the docker compose that you have and then you pull down all your containers and you hit start and there's your development environment and then everything in in production runs in kubernetes containers and there was always this tension between the platform team provides this abstraction of what of, of how the software runs and you write the application code and you can get fairly far without having to worry about the separation but the the more complicated stuff gets you just have to start even if you don't know how devops works you you have to start to really understand at least at a high level how everything fits together because otherwise you don't even know what questions to ask you don't understand how cpu utilization gets um uh, metered or you know like capped mm. or or the fact that disk io maybe has a particularly high penalty in a kubernetes platform or or how the networking works and how systems can call each other it 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 um it's it's one of those things where in a perfect world i'd be really good at devops just so i could do my development better mm-hmm. but i'm really not good at devops at all and it is it, it is actually quite a sore point for me in terms of getting my application to run smoothly so I think I have a little bit of confusion. So operations is more of like where that lives for us. So operations is like the people who handle the hardware, who handle the server side of stuff. But when I think of DevOps, I think of the person who's like creating our plans for deployment and the person who's writing the tools that developers are using and is making the decisions on like what what like Jira software we're going to be using. Like those type of things. So I guess I'm curious on what the difference is between like the DevOps role and just like the operations side of it, or are they typically uniform? And I just don't know that. I, I think if you ask 20 people what DevOps <laughs> yes. is, you get 20 different answers. I think you get okay. 25 different answers. <laughs> <laughs> we, so we, is it just everything outside of physically writing the code? So is it your um, your DBAs? Is your DBA on the side of the DevOps or... I mean, was that part of it? No. Uh, okay, awkward silence. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say, <laughs> to answer your question, is a DBA a Stop DevOps Stop asking hard person? questions, Carol. I'm going to say... Sorry, I thought I could ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah, just not hard ones. Sorry, sorry. 
Okay, you could ask whatever you want. Like I feel like they would be more on the side of DevOps because they're not writing it. We're writing it. We're giving it to them, and they're just deploying it. it you know, it, I'm I going. Here's that, what I want done, and they're just monitoring backups, and they're doing the other stuff. I, I'm sure Ben will have thoughts and opinions to correct me here, but uh, I think it depends heavily on what that role does, right? If your DBA, if your if your company is large enough, you have so many databases that a DBA is there to like find the slow running queries and help that developer fix that and make sure that the databases are being properly backed up and, and like that's all that they're in is like SQL and backups and yep. and and CPU, you know, where's the CPU on the, the database cluster going bad right now and that sort of thing, then I think no. Like okay. that's that's database administration which is entirely separate but if you're on like a five-person team where everybody has to wear seven different hats then you don't really have a choice and like that dba is probably also going to be doing other things that would be considered devops so they're you know maybe their primary thing is dba but they're doing devops stuff too when i think of devops i'm thinking of the glue that holds the application together the automation that does your deploys and um, monitoring systems and notifications and um, script anything that's automated scripted deployments yeah. and glue is such a perfect word that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking in my head hmm. that makes Sweet. sense Ben doesn't correct me I mean, you, you think about the history of it I mean early early on we had situation and this is the way we developed it and I'm, I know some people did and other people laughed at it but um, you we didn't develop locally, right? Mm. We had a code editor with some IDE that, that we were using, and we had yeah, we would FTP it or you know Visual Source Safe mm-hmm. or you know some other way to get code to a shared development website, mm-hmm. um, and then people would do testing there. So th- there really was no uh, so so we had a department that kept those servers running. Your local was your local, and you didn't worry about any like running a, a web server or local database or anything local. The only thing you had was basically a text editor. And so that's sort of how we went for years. Uh, and then, and th- there were problems with that. Problems were that, you know, stuff you would write sometimes wouldn't work on the server because of server configuration mm-hmm. settings, but that wasn't your problem. <laughs> you just, you, you just put a ticket in and they, you know, would say, Hey, this isn't working. You know, I'm getting, you know, some sort of IIS or Apache error. Please go fix this. And you as a coder don't care. Right. right? And, and then things switched. So now we're doing local development first. And now, of course, you have local development. Now you have to have your own, uh, you know, your own Apache, your own web server, IS, whatever it is you're using, Nginx that you're using locally. So you have to know how to configure that or get help from people that know how to configure that. So now your knowledge has to go up. And now things that work locally or don't work locally that work or don't work in a shared development system, well, now you certain amount of responsibility comes to you. you got to figure out, well, my Apache file is wrong. My IS config is wrong. My, my, my server installation is wrong. So you're doing a lot of troubleshooting yourself. That's a little bit more DevOpsy. I still don't think that's DevOpsy. That's sort of like maintaining your own local. Yeah. DevOps, I think, is, is beyond a step of, of having a knowledge of not only the code that runs, but having a knowledge of the infrastructure that it runs on and that is that the code is dependent on and being able to understand how those play together, um, which is, I mean, that's a very, that's a broad skill set, yeah. but it's helpful to have because sometimes there are issues where 
you don't really know where the problem lies. You don't know, is it a code problem or is it an infrastructure problem? Yep. Yes. (laughs) And, And if you have two separate teams that don't even understand each other's languages, which we had for a while, then you have finger pointing mm-hmm. that, that can happen. It's like, well, it works fine locally. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to kind of say, like, the, yeah. the, especially in the last few years, we've seen Docker just kind of go nuts. Everybody's using Docker for so mm-hmm. much now. And I feel like it's become almost a core competency of a developer if you're using, if, you know, if you're using Docker in production, then your people who are writing HTML and CSS and JavaScript have to have some ability to put together a Docker container or to understand how it, how it works so that when it goes wrong, when something breaks, they don't have to rely on somebody who's in three time zones over to be available mm-hmm. to fix it. And, and I think that's, that's the, the beauty of containerized uh, OSs that we, that we have is that you can script those, right? Mm-hmm. So because they're scripted, you know that if I run, you know, a vagrant up and it builds, you know, a container, um, or a Docker container, whatever it is you're running on, and I'm running from the same script that everyone else is, my system, in theory, should be exactly the same as your system. In so that, that, that's a big in help. theory is always the key word. Until right, it's theory, not. Right. Yeah. Until it's not. But to something Tim said a minute ago that hit me in the feels, which is that you you don't know when something is your fault. And, right. and this this is probably my number one pain point. Maybe not so much in local development because that tends to be a much more stable environment. But once your code hits production and it's running on top of this massive black box, it becomes very challenging to know where you're causing the problem or the platform is causing the problem. And I'm, I could give you so many examples, but one that has been biting us just this week is that I had services that were just restarting and and I couldn't tell why. And I'm looking in the logs and it's just saying that the, the it's, I see the machines restarting. And I think, well, maybe it's something, maybe my liveness checks are failing or my readiness checks are failing or there's something that's throwing an error. And finally, I get the platform people involved and they're looking into it and they're like, oh, well, your service is running on top of spot instances from Amazon. And at some point, Amazon can just say, hey, we're about to take your spot instance back. And they give you two minutes to shut your service down. And if you haven't shut your service down in time, it just ends. Mm. And I'm like, there's you literally, never nothing, known that. Yeah, there's literally yeah. nothing in my logs that say, oh, by the way, the machine you're running on is about to be taken from you. And it, I would never know to ask, especially if I was maybe more timid about asking. And I am actually quite timid about asking the platform people for help because I always feel like I'm burdening them with mm-hmm. my like a nuisance about, a little yeah, yeah exactly they're they're like these wizards that sit off in the mm-hmm. corner making machines just beards. happen yeah. yeah and i'm like i don't want to i don't want to bother them but I, I, you know half the time i go and ask them for help it turns out to be that there is actually quite a significant platform i don't want to call it a problem but there's a root cause that is definitely outside my code and i would have never found that on my own mm-hmm yeah so I mean, to, I don't know if we're answering LD 2s question, but I mean, I, I think in a perfect world, everyone would, most of your team, not everyone, but would be able to understand both the infrastructure side of the world and the code side of the world. Uh, but to be honest, you're probably going to have people. It's a Venn diagram. Yeah, you know, there's a few people 
that are completely infrastructure and, and on the server, you know, the platform people, as Ben calls them, and people that are just 100% code. And there's some people who are somewhere in the middle. I've done both jobs and ran both departments. So I, I feel like I do kind of fit that middle of the Venn diagram. Um, you know, so I see the value in knowing how to do it, but I understand it, it can be hard. Some, some people, it's not their jam. They don't really care yeah. about how disks work and networks work and firewalls work. They, so I don't think you have to think of it as a single person with his question. I don't think you have to think of it as, do you have to know it? Like but should, more yeah. of, should the teams be united? Like and should, that's, should a team yeah. have a DevOps person on right. it? And, a, and a I absolutely say yes to that. Like if I can't, like Ben said, if I can't figure out what happened with my code past my code point, I should clearly have someone that understands my application and knows the infrastructure. He doesn't have to know what my code's doing, but he has to know, he or she has to know the entire like circle of it all. So I do think mm-hmm. that they, I, I can't see a reason why you would keep them separate from each other as a team or as like a unity. Right. Yeah. I mean, of course, it, it, the scale of your company or your team or, or you know, whatever, uh, where, 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 where we're drawing the boundary around this is kind of ambiguous, but right. the scale matters, right? If you've got 500 people at your disposal, then your how scale you organize matters. Them. <laughs> <laughs> the the organization is going to be vastly different than if you have five people, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but I, to your point, Carol, I think that's a awesome idea to like have that one person that's sort of your designated liaison to that side of of the the skill. Uh, I can talk it? that language. The yeah. spectrum, right? Is that the yeah. right word? Yeah. Yeah, I guess spectrum. Um, like that would be that'd be awesome if you just had that one person that like it's expected that it's okay if you tap them on the shoulder and say like I have a problem and I'm not sure if this is code yeah. or, or if it's like I don't even know like Vince, I don't even know the question to ask mm-hmm. sometimes I'm going all I know is A failed and C threw me a log so what happened with B like mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. what to ask whereas if I were to take that to one of our what I consider DevOps they would be like oh well at least I know who to go ask or I know how to get the answer even if they don't know right yeah and i think it's a lot i i think it's going to be more in the developers i could be wrong here but i, I think the developer is because nowadays we set more of our own stuff up we probably have a little more insight into um you know how the code works on our infrastructure some of the people that that work in in platform or you know setting up servers and things that they might not know any sort of coding right other than maybe some sort of scripting deployment language or something so then they they're put not in powershell yeah yeah running things in powershell so it's like yeah being able to know the right questions to ask and at, and at least being able to troubleshoot it down to the point where you have eliminated other things because you know you don't want to be bothering them kind of right. like Ben said, yeah. he feels bad asking them, right? You don't, you, you don't want to say, Oh, I'm sorry. It was a stupid question. Cause I, I just missed something. I had right. forgot a semicolon, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, so if you can get down to the point where you go, look, I've eliminated th-, And that's typically what I do. Right. If I do need help, I will say, look, I've eliminated this, 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 and this. The only thing I could think it can be like, this is a network configuration error. Like we had something, it was just stupid. We have a web application firewall that we have in production and it blocks certain things that look like SQL injection. We don't have it in development yeah. for some reason. Mm. And, and this request, persons like this keeps dying. Why, why can't we, you know, process these, these credit cards? And turns out, you know, someone had some, you know, little Tommy drop tables. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
was trying to make a payment. <laughs> so, you know, that was the whole reason. I'd spend a half a day on that. So, yeah, the the WAF, the web application firewall stuff is particularly frustrating because it's it's such a black box. Meaning yeah. that mm. it, even when the WAF is blocking a valid request and then someone has to go and fix it, I don't even know where that gets done or why it only seemed to apply to some users and not to and others. And all. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, then you ask, well, what block do they say? Well, that's a 600 error. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can you tell me what particularly in this request was, was the 600? So I, I guess maybe my, my overarching thought here would be that as a, as a developer and someone who primarily does development, having a vague notion of how the system fits together has been very important, but my understanding is really very shallow, but it's, it's just deep enough to know that some things are probably not my fault and that I should go ask for help. But yeah, LD too, if you can get some folks that, that are true DevOps and no code and infrastructure, get them, get them on your team. Cause they can at least be the translator for those those two two departments if they're if they are separate. You have your unicorn. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of of this sort of mythical vertically integrated team where you have people assigned to a project or service, and they have a DevOps person and a designer and back end people and front end people, so that they can all sort of swarm onto tasks and understand them super holistically i've never been on a team like no that. not once <laughs> not once i did i for a brief beautiful moment i was on a team that actually had an embedded sre site reliability engineer which is i sort of so synonymous with dev, devops yeah uh and he was on our team i think for like a month and then he left <laughs> but it was it was a beautiful month <laughs> thank you for the question ld2 yeah absolutely write in let us know your name we <laughs> followed you for years on twitter yeah. and i have no idea yeah we've been following each other a while we had yeah. to have met at a conference or something i'm sure we have all right well uh let's thank our patrons and get out of here because we've been recording for almost an hour and a half now um Thanks. and we still got to do the after show so if you are unacquainted oh, if this is your first episode listening then uh you should know we after we sign off here we're going to keep the microphones going and uh keep talking about random stuff i have a question that i'm going to be asking ben but uh so the after show is something that uh we provide to some of our patrons and uh it's just our way of thanking them for their financial support to help the podcast keep going we got some other benefits like we have a discord and uh, they get early access to new episodes as soon as they're done being edited and and of course uh, we have to thank our top patrons which right now is just monty chan but monty monty our MVP, you beautiful legend. Thank you very much. Um, and I checked earlier. Last I looked, we only had. Last I looked, we had. I think we were up to seven uh, reviews. Hey. Or, yeah, ratings, like, ratings, ratings on yeah. iTunes. Still no reviews. Nobody likes us enough to actually say anything about us. But they'll click a, a little five stars. Or they don't like us enough to click one. <laughs> Did somebody do that? No, I'm saying like that's a good thing. Okay. Right? I'm not following, but that's okay. Like nobody's clicked <laughs> one, so okay. they must like us a lot. They don't dislike they don't us. They don't dislike us. Did I say it wrong?
Yeah, you said they don't like us enough to oh, click yeah, one. Oh, yeah, they I th- don't I think, unlike, I, dislike. Th- yeah, keys, go. English, Words are hard. Words are hard. <laughs> I've been writing code so, all day. You don't need English for that. Thanks to my mom and Ben's mom and Tim's mom and Carol's moms for your yep. ratings. And, you know, the, a, a few more out there, apparently. But, uh, yes. Anyway, uh, this is like the worst Patreon spot <laughs> ever. Um, so let's just do this. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you would, please share the show with a friend. The word of mouth referrals is probably the best way to get somebody to listen to a podcast. Uh and you can help us other ways by uh, telling the algorithm to boost our signal by leaving us a rating. Or, you know, if you think we've earned it, you could consider supporting us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash working code pod. You can send us your suggestions or comments or angry blog posts to us on Twitter and Instagram at working code pod. We'll catch you next week. And until then, Tim. Your heart matters. <laughs> you can still say it with me. Oh, yeah. I thought we tried that. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, we'll do it again. All right. And remember, guys. Your, your heart, heart matters. matters. No, just use Tim. No, this is terrible. <laughs> okay. It sounds so terrible. It's <laughs> awful. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code. So if you are unacquainted, if this is your first episode listening, then uh, you should know. We After we sign off here, we're going to keep the microphones going and uh, keep talking about random stuff. I have a question that I'm going to be asking Ben. Uh, and... Uh, I'm going to cut this out because I don't know what I was going to say there. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to get crazy, y'all. Y'all. You Southerners. Y'all. We're from Georgia, if you didn't know. We are from Georgia.